This is the Boxing Betting Show with Tom Craze. Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 8 of the Boxing Betting Show, an independent podcast all about betting, boxing and betting on boxing. As ever, I am your host, Tom Craze. Now, last weekend was a good one, um, both in terms of the fights that we saw and on the betting front as well. Really pleasing, actually, to see that so many of you listened in last week and also to see that so many of you followed in on the big price of Joyce uh, in round 7 to 12. Um, discussed on last week's show as uh, up to a price of 18 to 1. Um, I thought 12 to 1, 14 more 1 were perfectly acceptable as well. Uh, I saw a couple of you go in at 10 to 1 as well. It's um, it's it's nice when those land. Um, personally, I was on the the second half. I, my main bet, I have to say, was on Joyce um, outright, as I've um, mentioned to uh, quite a few people in in the past. That was a bet I've certainly had my eye on for the the bulk of the year, um, and I mentioned it on other podcasts I've been on, etc. As well, I think what I would say here, um, I guess, as a note of caution, really, is that. As nice as it is when these big prices land, these big kind of fish land every so often, treat them for what they are. They're an occasional uh, bonus, really. The pragmatist in me says that your your bread and butter, your meat and drink, week in, week out, is not working out how to land an 18 to 1 shot, a 14 to 1 shot on the boxing. Instead, it's working out the difference between a bet that's priced at 4 to 5 when you believe it should be 4 to 7, or a bet that's 2 to 1 that you think should be uh, 6 to 4. Of course, there's absolutely nothing wrong with throwing a few quid um, on a big price, particularly on a big fight. And, you know, that's that's fun. That's why we, we gamble in the first place. But if you're trying to turn a profit week in, week out, trying to kind of get into that grind, um, it's it's kind of eking out the, the value where you can in the in the margins, really, in, in the fine lines um, and accept that every so often you'll land a... Uh, you'll, you'll land a big one that will help, I don't know, pay for Christmas. But that's not the way it's always going to work out, I'm afraid. If if only life was that easy, hey, after the year that we've had. As I said in a tweet the other day, and quoting uh, one of my favourite films, even a stop clock gives the right time twice a day. And if you're listening on the premise that, hey, Tom might land me a big price winner each and every week, um, that is not going to happen, I'm afraid to say. But again, what I can hopefully do is point you in the right direction. I've said it before, and particularly it's relevant um, to kind of repeat every so often, um, is that I'm not a tipster and this is not a tipping show. I do this show purely off my own back. Um, I've turned down offers to be sponsored on this show. I've turned down offers to be um, have advertising on the show, um, especially from bookmakers. And I, I want to keep it that way, really. And the reason I do this show is to help with my own betting. I find that the more that I talk about betting, the more that I talk about my ideas, the more information I share, the more the more discussion I have with people whose opinions and ideas that I respect, the the more well thought out um, my own betting is. I guess it's the old adage of the harder I work, the luckier I get. Um, but I, I find that this is outside of trawling through spreadsheets, watching fight tapes, um, pricing up fights that are purely hypothetical and, and well in advance or um, you know, maintaining my own kind of ratings on fighters. And I think I've found it very useful over the past what, 18 months or so since starting the podcast to formulate and crystallise my ideas, to get them down on, on tape as it were, and out in the open, rather than 
relying on keeping the thoughts in my own head or even jotting them down um, on a notepad here at home. So that's what this podcast is all about. It's a place for discussion of bets, of betting, of boxing. It's not a tune in, here's what I'm betting each week, this is what you should bet. Because frankly, I don't want to do that work for you. You know, if you are, if you want to be successful with your betting, you have to take that responsibility yourself and go back on your own judgment a lot of the time. Um, of course, it's great when everyone agrees and and you know the the timeline, as it were, are all invested on one outcome. Um, and it's even even better when that outcome lands. Um, but that's obviously not always the case. And just to reinforce another adage of the show, really, um, I mentioned it. Um, on Twitter and certainly in a few tweets to people who were asking me, um, you know, what had I backed that evening? And I flagged up the Joyce price uh, again, as as it was mentioned on the on the podcast as a big price to look out for. And I said, in all honesty, I think this is probably the best um, or one of the best value losers of the weekend. Now, Joyce at 12 to 1, 14 to 1, 16 to 1, 18 to 1 to win in the second half of the fight. Looking at that price, that gave it about a five percent chance, just just north of that, between five and six percent at eighteen to one. Now, someone replied to that tweet and said, oh, that, "That's interesting. Is that how you view value picks?" And I think someone else came in and said, "Well, not all losing underdog bets can be value." And I said, "Okay, then why would I back it in the first place if I didn't think it was value?" Now, that fight could have played out on Saturday night and Daniel Dubois could have won inside 90 seconds. Such was the potential kind of explosive nature of the fight, such as his power. You know, regardless of that loss on Saturday, he's still, you know, right up there in terms of the the biggest heavyweight punches. You, You would think Joyce has got a ridiculous chin, but Dubois can still punch like all hell. Now, I would back Joe Joyce to win in the second half of a fight against Daniel Dubois at 12 to 1, 14 to 1, 16 to 1, 18 to 1, every single time without fail. And that is based not necessarily on the fact I think it's going to happen. That is based on the fact that I believe the probability implied by the odds is wrong. Now, sometimes it feels like I'm banging my head against a brick wall with this stuff, depending on who I speak to, you know, other other guys get it. And it's a methodology that some people just don't agree with or they, you know, they're I don't know, you know, maybe more casual in their approach, but a good bet is a good bet, as I see it, regardless of whether it wins. Now, as I said, if Daniel Dubois won that fight in one round, two round, three round, four, however he won that fight, or if Joe Joyce won that fight on points, or if he stopped Dubois in three rounds, I would be perfectly happy with my 16 to 1, 18 to 1 on Joyce in the second half of the fight. Because that's where I've, I think I've got the value. And that is the reason that I placed the bet in the first place. I don't place any bet be- just because it's a big price and I expect it to lose. I place a bet because it's a big price. I can still expect it to lose in more probability. But the probability implied by the price is completely out with the probability that I perceive it to be. Now, I apologise because I know for some of you listening, this is going to be like teaching you how to suck eggs. But... And I probably shouldn't dwell on it much longer, to be honest. It's just a reminder that as long as you're happy with the price, as long as you believe you're getting a good deal going into placing that bet, the outcome is irrelevant. And the other phrase, of course, that gets thrown around in the industry is that you can't eat value. Well, of course, that you know value is not going to pay for your Christmas alone. 
And conversely, people who place a winning bet without thinking of the merits of the price are probably going to be quite happy with their win regardless. But it's a difference in the methodology. I'm not going to back a 1 to 10 shot that I believe should be 1 to 5 and rejoice when it wins. Yes, I'll have the cash in my pocket, but I'm not going to get that far. I would much rather play the percentages as I see them. And then if it loses, as you know, a 18 to 1 shot ordinarily would, I'm comfortable that I've backed it for the right reasons. And though it was, yes, I don't know, a 14 to 1, 18 to 1 shot is in all likelihood going to lose, did I think it had a, I don't know, a 12% chance instead of a 5% chance? Or yes. And, and if the answer is yes, then fine. I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. But look, I said it before and I'll, it's one of those things that will come up over and over again on this show. Betting on sports and betting on boxing is not about trying to predict the future. Because nobody can predict the future, no matter how well you know the sport. The key to betting and turning a profit in betting is betting when you believe the price to be wrong. Yes, you use your knowledge of the sport. Yes, you look, you weigh up the probability of outcomes. Yes, you weigh up the fighters' weaknesses, strengths, tactics, and so on and so on. But all of that gets distilled down to the numbers at the end of the day. You use your assessment of a fight and compare it against the numbers that you see in front of you. If there's a discrepancy in that, and it's a discrepancy that you feel is adequate and one that you're comfortable with, then you pull the trigger. If the price is aligned with how you see it, then you've got a decision to make. But generally, that's where you leave it alone. And of course, if the opposite is true and the price is shorter than you believe it should be, then you leave it well alone. And look, if you honestly believe you can make money through your powers of prognosis alone, then I suggest you play the lottery tonight instead. Okay, run over. (laughs) We turn our attention then to this weekend, which is headlined by Errol Spence versus Danny Garcia founder of Saturday Night Boxing and a member of the Ring Magazine ratings panel. I'm very pleased to say my next guest is Adam Abramowitz. How are you, Adam? I'm very good, Tom. Thanks for having me. Spence versus Garcia this weekend, a big, uh, one of of the big fights to round up a a busy kind of second half of the year um, from the AT&T Stadium in uh, Texas. I believe there will be fans as well, which um, uh, I'm sure they've taken the very best epidemiological uh, input on. Spence is the firm favourite, as you'd expect. Um, open as wide as the uh, five to one on favourite, so minus 500. Back when the odds were very first released um, back in May, uh, that was with Paddy Power Betfair, puts him at about an 83% um, implied probability of winning that fight. Uh, Garcia at 10 to 3, so plus 330, 23%. A bit of insight into how that market has matured over the past what, six, seven months. The price drifted out. There was some early money for Garcia, so Spence went up to 300. Uh, sorry, minus 300, 1 to 3, um, 75%. And he hit a biggest price, the most generous price of 2 to 7 on, so minus 350. And that is a 78% implied probability back in September. So a couple of months ago now, the weight of money or the way the money's moved, he's generally been backed in since. So there has been some money for Spence since then. Um, and the best price available with uh, on Spence at the moment is three to 10. So minus 330, but the general price across the industry is four to one on. So minus 400, 70, uh, sorry, excuse me, 80% implied probability and some firms going even as wide as one to five. So minus 583%, which conveniently brings us right back to where we started. 
Garcia three to one, widely available, twenty five percent implied probability. As a recording, best price with um, Genting is seven to two, so plus three fifty. Adam, your snap reaction to the firstly to the matchup when it was made, and then to the the outright odds there uh, in terms of Spence being eighty percent plus favorite here. Well, this was originally made uh, or announced as soon as Spence defeated Sean Porter last year. And at that point in time, I think most people thought, well, it's not the matchup we wanted, but Danny Garcia remains a top 10 welterweight. It's a legitimate fight. Um, I think everybody at that point felt extremely comfortable with Spence. He had a car accident, a very serious one. Um, the notion of trauma, how much that has affected his body, how much that has affected his training. Can he still take shots? Is he psychologically the same fighter? These are all extremely important variables and unknowns going to this fight. Also, it helped, I think, that Danny Garcia fought earlier this year. Uh, so not only has Spence been out of the ring with injuries, he's also just been out of the ring, period. Uh, so he's been out over 12 years, I'm sorry, 12 months. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's somebody that has had to come down to make weight in the past. The odds are very interesting to me because um, I think they make sense from uh, if you're just betting uh, the favorite. Uh, however, you know, Danny Garcia has a chance for a knockout here in this fight. Um, I think that's a very intriguing play if someone's looking for a value play here because Danny Garcia has rarely put uh, more than seven or eight good rounds together. And that's the problem with betting on Danny Garcia is that he kind of fights half fights. He looks amazing in, in half a fight against Zap Judah, half a fight against Lamont Peterson. He puts some five or six good rounds together against Porter. He doesn't, even in the fights that he wins, he doesn't always look convincing. So I have a hard time thinking he's going to win eight or nine rounds against Spence as the B-side and get uh, on points. I think that's, a, I must say it can't happen, but uh, that's a problem with Danny Garcia. He never puts 12 rounds together. Um, I think if, if you think Danny Garcia can win on points here, you have to think he gets a knockdown somewhere because I just think it's going to be very hard for him to win seven, eight, nine rounds against a guy who's busier and longer. Uh, he does have a chance to win. Um, I like Earl Spence a lot. He's one of my favorite fighters to, to observe and watch. And you know, I've gone to a bunch of his fights before. I think in normal circumstances, he would be a fairly large favorite. I still think with his volume, uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be tough to beat and his power. I think the question looking at it is, is he going to be fighting this like the Lamont Peterson fight where he's going right at his opponent? Or is he going to be going similar to Mikey Garcia where he really used his legs, boxed, and made it a fairly easy fight for himself? So that's, what, that's the unknown. Spence can fight in a couple different ways. Danny Garcia, I think, wants to slug it out a little bit and get into a power shot contest. Um, it's, a, it's an intriguing fight. I wish I knew exactly what was going to happen, and it's fun that I don't. You know, there, there, this could go a number of ways. I think Danny Garcia needs to land something big and something big early. I think that the first couple of rounds, he needs to either knock down Spence or you know, hurt him in a way that gives him a chance to win that fight. I'll be honest and say I don't love the fight, but at the same time, I've 
it's made it's certainly made more interesting by the obviously by the intangible of the car crash um it would be interesting by itself you know spence hasn't fought for 12 months now regardless of that but to have that kind of trauma in in between clearly the questions are swelling around will he be the same i'm i'm not totally convinced that the injuries that he took are you know that there's actually an argument to say that the injuries that someone like dubois took last weekend would would affect a fighter's career more than the injuries spence took and you know it's it, it's one of those and particularly the way that he took them um so psychologically i, I do think spence should be fine because they're not boxing related injuries he hasn't got that kind of lingering uh, association of you know, having his eye socket caved in but the the clear the clear question mark and, and i guess red flag really if you are looking at backing spence at, at those kind of you know an odds on quote is what price would spence be if it were not for that car crash well yeah i mean given that the odds came out after the car crash had happened. As I said, they came out in, in May and Spence was one to f- uh, five on, so minus 500. We don't know. We haven't got that. We haven't got that written down. I would certainly say, however, that the odds would be wider than they are now with Spence at, as I say, that best price of three to three to 10, so minus 330. I think probably the true price with Spence, assuming he's on form, would be closer for me to maybe 500 tops, 600, maybe even 700, because as you say, Adam, I think it's going to be very difficult for Garcia to win this on points. Let's remember this is, again, it is a home fight for Spence and it's not only a home fight for Spence in that he's, you know, he's um, fighting in Texas, but he's not fighting in Texas behind closed doors. He does have that crowd advantage as well. So that's, that's a factor. He's certainly the A side. That's another factor. I would agree. I think that I think that Garcia probably doesn't need a knockout to win, but at the same time, he is the type of fighter who could score. And that's where it gets, that's where this fight has its most kind of intrigue, I think. And I guess what's really admirable is that Spence has jumped into this straight off the the layoff, straight off the injury. He hasn't said, well, actually, I know that I was lined up to fight Garcia, but hey guys, I've just had a, a life-threatening car crash. Can I not fight, uh, you know, someone a little bit as a, as a tune-up and get some rounds in? He's he's committed to the Garcia fight and, you know, he's going into a stadium fight right after, a, you know, an event that might have cost him his entire career. So I think that's really, um, that should be applauded. Um, the problem with Garcia, and you, you touched on it, is that he's very hot and cold. I don't know what you thought about his performance last time against, uh, you know, Red Catch or Granados before that, but Put it this way, it's been a while since we, we've seen what I would consider the best Danny Garcia against the best opposition. He's, you know, he's, he lost a very close decision to Keith Thurman, dropped a decision to Sean Porter. You know, by the time you're going back to what might even be his prime, you're going back, what, four or five years? Has Garcia still got what it takes to, to mix it? And, and will that drop in kind of opposition for him over the past couple of years as I said with Red Catch Granadas is that going to hurt him stepping up to face you know at, at worst the second best welterweight in the world well I don't think Garcia has a signature win in welterweight yeah. I think his best wins were Matisse and Khan uh, yeah. we're looking at seven or eight years ago now and um, 
I've watched him, you know, he's from Philadelphia. I've seen a number of his fights live. I've, I've covered his career. Um, you know, there, there are a couple of tropes with Danny Garcia that are interesting. One is he's performed pretty well as an underdog in his career. Um, you know, people thought that Matisse was literally going to like kill him, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was, and, and, and he was, he was like something like an eight to one underdog against Tom. I mean, he, he's pulled out some good wins. The problem is, you know, he, the book is out on Danny, which is if you don't stand in front of him and you use your legs, you know, it's a very tough fight for Danny and it doesn't even matter the level. So I think it's up to Spence. You know, it, Spence can make this a fight that Danny can do well in. You know, if they're in the pocket exchanging, you know, big shots, you know, Danny has the left hook. He also has a straight right hand. He has a looping right. I mean, he could do a lot at mid-range against Spence. The question is, how many opportunities does he get? Danny does not like to work hard, uh, work hard in terms of volume. He does not like to work 12 rounds in a fight. So that's the blueprint. The question is, does Spence have the conditioning to do that? Does he want to do it? I mean, I thought Spence was a little guilty of fighting Sean Porter's fight last fight, you know, where I thought he made that fight much closer perhaps than it needed to be because I think he wanted to prove a point that he was a tougher guy and that he was going to beat Sean Porter in his own game. But if he does that against Danny Garcia, I mean, that really plays into Danny's hands. If if Spence is just sitting out jabbing from a distance, there really isn't a whole lot Danny can do from that range. And so it's not great entertainment. But the question is, you know, is he there to win or is he there to put on a show? Uh, and we will see that answer. It's tricky for Spence, isn't it? Because he can look fantastic. And then I, I would say it's fair to, that both of these fighters can blow hot and cold. I was, I was so underwhelmed, um, Adam, with Spence against Mikey Garcia. Uh, yeah admittedly not as underwhelmed as I was uh, by Mikey Garcia against Spence, but that was such a, it was a, an odd fight and it was, it was one that never got going. It almost looked like Spence couldn't be bothered to get it going. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he could have stopped him that night, but he kind of, it's almost like he was confused in a way as how Mikey Garcia was approaching that fight and just said, well, I'm just going to, I'm not going to get involved and I can, I can use my bigger reach here. And I, I can just, I can just box you. And, and that's exactly what he did. He does have the reach advantage here against Danny Garcia as well, of course. But I, I would certainly hope from an entertainment point of view that Danny Garcia will give it more of a go than Mikey did um, that night last year. You mentioned that obviously the routes to victory and, and how both fighters would get this done. Um, if we look at the methods of victory, the, the favoured outcome with the bookies here is the Spence decision. Four to five on, uh, so minus one to five in American odds. Implied probability of 56%. Clearly the, the front runner there, the bookies reckon. And a Spence stoppage is, well, it's first it's, it's next in line, but it's maybe a little bit bigger than I thought it might be. It's five to two, um, so plus 250, uh, about 29%. In terms of Garcia, You've, you've made the interesting point here. I, to me, I think there's only one way Garcia wins this fight without knockdowns, as you say. Uh, Garcia decision is five to one. So less than 20%, 17% that Garcia gets a decision in Texas against Spence. And I think that is probably um, underpriced. Uh, and interestingly, then a Garcia knockout is between uh, seven to one. So 12 and a half percent and 10 to one, 9%. 
For me, there's an argument that the Garcia decision should be longer. I think it's more unlikely that Garcia will outbox Spence and get a decision than he will potentially catch him with something or, you know, open up a, an injury on on the eye or whatever it might be. Particularly with that left hook, I, I think that's his potentially his key weapon here. Uh, draw out at 20 to 1, so 5% there. What are your thoughts there, Adam, now that you know the prices in terms of the approach? I, I, Danny Garcia has never been knocked out before. He's never been knocked down before, from my knowledge. Uh, if he has been knocked down, perhaps it was a very early fight. Uh, I have, I don't recall him ever being knocked down. No, no. Um, so, which doesn't mean that can't happen. So, people, you know, the, the past is not always uh, predictive of the future. But Danny has taken some huge punches uh, in his career. Um, Spence doesn't knock out power. You know, the thing is this. I think with Spence, I think he's more – I don't think he's a one-punch guy. I think he's an accumulation guy. Uh, I I don't think he has that sharp trigger release that Terrence Crawford does where Crawford lands stuff that people don't see coming. I think you see Spence's punches coming. They just hurt a lot. You know? <laughs> um, so I think Danny could absorb most of what Spence throws at him. And I think he's also a veteran and knows how to hold. He knows how to slow a fight down. I would be very surprised if he gets stopped in this fight. So, you know, I, I think Spence by decision is the way to go. From the other side of it, you know, Danny uh, – he has some weapons, you know, the, the, the problem, he has some weapons. If you, if you think Danny is a shot, I think KO is probably the way to go. The issue with Danny is he sometimes is a good finisher, he sometimes isn't, you know. Urgency has always been a problem throughout his career. Uh, he likes to fight in his own pace. You know, even that, remember that massive left hook, you know, that Danny threw with his eyes closed against Khan? Yep. That didn't even stop the fight, right? Khan gets up and keeps fighting after that. Correct. Uh, and that's Danny. You know, he doesn't run to, to kind of end things. He had Matisse hurt. So, you know, that's the problem. I think Danny on KO is better than Danny on points. But the problem with Danny is we all remember the big knockdowns, you know, but those are not always the same as the knockouts. Um, so, you know, we all love to find interesting stuff to pick, but I think Spence's decision is probably the, the way to go here. Here's a question for you. Do you think Spence is the biggest puncher that Garcia's fought? Huh. Um, I don't know. Now, I remember that first round against Keith Thurman, mm. where they, I think they both hurt each other. I really do. Like, that was an amazing first round, and I think both got hurt and then decided this is not the fight that we wanted. And then it became much more tactical. But I gotta tell you, that was thrilling stuff for that first round. Um, that he got hit with some big punches in that fight. Spence, prop, yeah, I, you know, it's tough, you know, in a relative sense. Was Matisse a bigger puncher relatively at 140 than Spence was? I don't know. Uh, you know, Spence, if he's not the number one, then he's clearly in the top two or three. I mean, he also got hit with some really good shots against Zab Judah at the end of that fight. Zab Judah could punch at 140. So uh, there, there are a couple of there are a couple of candidates. He's been in the ring with guys and hit hard. The argument, and and you mentioned that there in terms of the Garcia knockout. For me, look as I said, I think Spence at minus three fifty is okay. 
it's, that's not a price that, you know, that's not a style of, of bet that will be for everyone. But as I said, I think if there are no intangibles around Spence, I, I think he's probably a one to six, one to seven on favourite. So if you're willing to say, well, I don't think the, the crash is going to be an issue. I'm not too worried about, uh, you know, uh, uh, the one punch power of Garcia. That's a price that's interesting. I think if you're a Garcia backer and... I'm not because, as, as I've just said, I believe the price on Spence is a little bit wrong. I do think the the KO is much more interesting than the decision. I think if you're looking at three to one on Garcia to win outright or 10 to one on Garcia yeah. to win by stoppage, the difference there is too big for me to... Sorry, let me let me be clear there. I think the difference between the outright um, three to one and the 10 to one on the KO would be too big for me to ignore. I think that... You know, I, I, yeah, I, I really struggled to see um, Garcia win a decision here. And we've, we've seen him drop close decisions as well. So doesn't have the work rate necessarily. And we certainly saw Spence put that in against, um, against Porter. Adam, just in terms of thinking when the fight will end, um, a, a few more prices to throw at you here. The fight to go the distance is, uh, is odds on, actually. So that ties in with what you mentioned there about the Spence decision. Uh, that's minus... 225, so four to nine in English money, uh, 69%. Uh, and the bookies reckon it's two to one, um, so plus 200, 33% that the fight will be ended inside the distance. Obviously, there, of course, you get both fighters um, on side, regardless of the outcome you went for. Uh, and some interesting prices, potentially, I think, in the method of, uh, sorry, not the method of victory, the round group betting. Obviously, here you're, you're saying, well, okay, I, I think one fighter will win by stoppage. Spence in rounds one to six is seven to one uh, best price. That's with Skybet. Uh, the general price actually is 11 to two. So that's plus 550, 15% implied probability there. Garcia to win early, as big as 25 to one, um, yeah. which, is, which is huge, um, considering I think he could, he could win by stoppage yeah. at any time. Um, but shorter elsewhere, 13 to one, 18 to one. It's not a, a bet I love because I don't particularly like Garcia's chances, but that's a big, big price. And then to win in the second half of the fight, Spence in round seven to 12, five to one, five to one, 17 percent. And Garcia to win in the second half, uh, as big as 14 to one. Um, so seven percent um, implied chance there. One bet that I do quite like, and we've mentioned Spence's power in terms of maybe more in terms of accumulation rather than one punch blower is um, the double chance market offered by Skybet. So Errol Spence, and this is, it's quite an interesting approach if you can, uh, if you have this bookmaker available to you or, you know, Spence in rounds seven to 12 or points, four to nine, so minus two to five. Again, um, it's actually the same price as the fight to go the distance, uh, 69%. That's interesting. I think if you do like Spence and, and see Garcia hanging around, potentially Spence wants to get in some rounds, is it a 69% chance that Spence wins in the second half or by decision? I think that might be a little bit low, um, personally, considering that you're looking at the Spence decision, uh, 56%. Yeah, I, I think that's okay. I think the drawback of this market is that people almost default to it sometimes. They say, well, it's a really close fight. I can't see a, an early stoppage. Therefore, I'll go for the second half of the fight. Adam, I won't keep you too much longer, but are we pinning you your colours to the mass in on the Spence decision? And if so, what kind of decision do you think it will be? Is it going to be a, a, a wide kind of Garcia UD, a close 
quarter back and forth. How do you kind of see the fight panning out in a, in a nutshell? Well, I am going to do a, a, a preview article this week, and uh, I'm not going to make an official pick on the site because of, you know, I don't know how someone responds to this accident. Mm. So what I'm going to say here is, you know, probabilities. You know, I, I'm not – so I'm not officially picking this because, one, I haven't picked most fights – coming off of the pandemic layoff because I don't know who's been training and what that tra training has been. Um, and then secondly, I just don't know if he can take a shot, if, if he's a changed person. You know, we've seen weird things. Sometimes these incidents change fighters and sometimes they don't. So I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with saying this, this, this. But here's what I do think happen happens. If, if, the, if Spence resembles his normal self, uh, I think it's going to be probably like a nine, three, eight, four type of decision, you know, where, where Garcia, you know, we'll get a couple of big shots in and we'll have some moments, but I think Spence's more consistent work, higher volume, pumps the jab out, just gets more work done. I think Danny will lose, will look okay in certain spots. I want to go back to one thing that you said though, you know, for people that are interested in, in action, and I'm sure some of your num your your listeners are, you know, the the Garcia and by knockout, the Garcia in the first six rounds, like there's there's a sense of intrigue to those plays. I'm not saying those are going to win. I'm not saying that that's what I would pick. I'm just saying that those probabilities are are, are possible. They really are. And so, you know, if somebody wants to put a little bit down there, you know, so be it. I don't think those are the worst bets that I've seen. Uh, weird stuff happens in boxing. Uh, Danny Garcia is not a bum. You know, he's a, he's a capable fighter. Uh, I think if everything's normal, I think Spence wins this fight. But who knows what's normal at this moment and with this fight. Yeah, I mean, in, in many ways, that's, um, that's music to my ears, Adam. Uh, this show is all about probabilities. Uh, and yeah, I think Spence by decision... Um, just inside even money, minus 125, uh, well, let's say just inside, a little bit inside, uh, what, four to five, so minus 125. I think that is a solid, I do think that's a solid play. Um, and I think I would prefer that if I were to back Spence rather than the, rather than put any real faith in him getting the stoppage against a guy like uh, Garcia, even at the bigger price of, um, of five to two uh, or, or plus yeah. 50 there, yeah. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your insight. Thank you very much for having me, Tom. Hey, Tom. You're listening to The Boxing Betting Show. There are two cards to look at this weekend in the UK, and we'll start with a quick look at Friday's matchroom card, headlined by Billy Joe Saunders versus Martin Murray. And I say quick because I don't really have a lot to say about this fight. Um, it's a fight that's been made and scrapped in the past, uh, I think twice, and... That was obviously when both were back down at middleweight, but it's a fight that I wasn't enamoured by then, to be honest, uh, and even less so now. It's a fight that no one was asking for, I think it's fair to say, but that's the fight we've got. Uh, looking at the odds then, Saunders is the best price, 1-20 to favourite, um, so 95% implied probability there, minus 2,000 in American odds. Uh, at the skinniest end of the market, a 1-33 to favourite, um, so 97% implied there. Um, Murray then is available uh, at anything from 7 to 1, which is a very lean end, 
um, of the industry up to 11 to 1. So an 8% implied chance there. And they draw out at 33 to 1. If you're including Saunders, even in an accumulator at 1 to 33 on, so 97% implied probability, uh, I would suggest you need some kind of intervention because that is a ridiculous price, even for the golf in talent between the two. The advice then is to leave the outright well alone unless you are weighing up a move on Murray. Uh, at 7 to 1, that feels very short. At 11 to 1, it's getting closer to the uh, mark of making an argument for it. A Saunders decision, um, depending on where you shop, is between 5 to 2 on, so minus 250, and 4 to 11, so minus 275. Uh, a Saunders stoppage, best price there, 5 to 2, so plus 250, 2 to 1, plus 200, widely available there as well. A Murray decision then up at 20 to 1, um, just a 5% chance that's been given, and a Murray KO, roughly about the same price, but a little bit shorter in places as well, down at 14s, um, 16s, and 18s, depending on your choice of firm. Now, that 2 to 5 on a Saunders decision implies a 71% chance. I think actually when you're looking at the fight overall, your snap reaction on a prediction would be, well, it's going to be a Saunders decision, and it's probably going to be something like, um, 118-110 or you know 117-111 if not a little bit wider so on that basis 71% chance on a Saunders decision it's very short um, 2 to 5 in a methods market but if someone's looking for something that feels like a pretty solid odds on price I think you could probably do worse than that this weekend although it's not exactly one I would suggest you should get too excited by uh, nonetheless though I think you know what would be your true price there what is the actual likelihood of this going to, to a decision? And what is the actual likelihood of Saunders winning this on points? I think probably um, you're looking at about fours on, aren't you? It's probably one to four, 80%, two to nine, maybe 82%, that kind of range. But, and although he is a, at least what feels like a fairly flaky favourite to be backing um, that short in a methods market, if you were to play devil's advocate, I think there is probably an argument there, um, albeit not necessarily the strongest one around. Headlining the Queensbury show on Saturday night, Anthony Yard takes on Lyndon Arthur in a fight that was meant to be originally the chief support for Dubois Joyce back in April. I think this is quite an interesting fight and in many ways, um, to coin an expression used in the Dubois Joyce build-up, it's kind of, it, it feels almost like the middle fight for Anthony Yard, perhaps one that he should have taken before um, jumping up to take on Kovalev. Nonetheless, Yard is a pretty heavy favourite here, uh, one to seven, um, best price, so minus 700 as short as 1 to 9 and 1 to 10 available as well. Lyndon Arthur then is a general 5 to 1 underdog here with 9 to 2, so plus 450 available as well. And they draw a best price 28 to 1, but much more widely available at 25s. In the method of victory market then, it's a yard stoppage that the layers are most cautious of. Uh, 4 to 9, so minus 2 to 5, um, implied probability of 69% that he gets it done inside the 12 rounds. A yard decision, 15 to 4 best price and clear best price. Um, that is with bet 365, 7 to 2, um, 10 to 3, and 11 to 4 available as well. And for Lyndon Arthur, an upset decision priced at 9 to 1, um, that's generally available. And a stoppage win as big as 14 to 1, um, that's with Paddy Power Betfair. Now, I think most people would be looking at this fight and having their suspicions that yard is a notch or perhaps a notch or two above Lyndon Arthur. Now, Lyndon Arthur is a good boxer, and I think he can really handle himself at domestic level uh, and maybe slightly above that as well. Anthony Yard, we know a lot more about, um, stepped up to world level, as we said, stopped by Sergei Kovlov. No shame in that. However, 
as we said, he hasn't had that middle fight. He hasn't had that bridging fight. And I don't think there's any doubt, really, that Lyndon Arthur would be Anthony Yard's best win. Of a little more interest is the over-under market, which is currently priced at 7.5 rounds. It's 10 to 11, um, so minus 110. Uh, as big as even money, actually, with Bet Victor, um, that the fight goes under 7.5. And it's 4 to 5, so minus 125 that the fight goes over 7.5 rounds. I think it would be a statement here, a real statement, if Yard were to stop Arthur early. And I think it would be a very, very good win for him if he were to stop Arthur at all. What I like about the over 7.5 here is that obviously you get both decisions on side. But also, bearing in mind that a Yard stoppage feels like the most likely outcome and is priced as such. But it also includes a late stoppage for either man as well. Now, even if you think that Yard is going to stop Arthur, or indeed if you think Arthur is going to stop Yard, all that you need for this bet to land is for it to get into the final third of the fight. You need the fight to go two thirds through, and then you're a winner either way. I think four to five for the overs feels like a decent price. Um, Obviously, there are question marks about both guys' chins, um, and obviously both guys have very real power as well, but two thirds of the way through in a British title fight doesn't seem like the biggest ask in the world. That's all for now. The podcast will be back next week for the penultimate show of 2020, previewing Anthony Joshua versus Kubrat Pulev. And of course, if you are gambling this weekend, please do so responsibly. Until next time, take care and thank you for listening. 